and welcome to episode two of Bop on the Wire. My name is Jack Hunter and with me is... And Robert Cockley-Gale, you would like to hear. <laughs> and we're back. They haven't banged from the airways yet. <laughs> Thank God for that, eh? There's still time. The music that you just heard was by a guy called Scott Quingham, who composed all his music in a few purposes movements at the Edinburgh International Festival, 2019, no less. Um, so yeah, if you want to check out any Scott Quingham, look at com and see what other amazing stuff Scott's done. So yeah, I'm Robert Cockerdale, I'm the artistic director of Buckingham Park and Seeker Company, which sounds grand, but really I think it just means that I've been here longer than anybody else, and they, they can't get rid of me. You've taken over? Me, with me and Jack. Yep, my name's Jack Hunter. I'm an actor, performer. I'm also one of Bop's Youth Arts Consultants, and I'm here to annoy you and buzz my Invernesian dulcet tones into your ear. And together, uh, we'll hopefully have a bit of fun. So this episode, episode two, um, we spoke to Gail Watson um, a bit earlier on in the lockdown. And do you want to say a little bit about Gail, Robert? Yeah, so Gail is categorically off her head. <laughs> um, and, and there's no gay I can think in Scotland who argue with that, I'm pretty sure. Gail was in a production by Electric Fruit, which was on at the Edinburgh Film Festival in 2018. It sort of cooked the, the whole festival by Scotland. We sold out, I think we sold out 6,000 seats or something crazy like that. It was a co-production with the National Theatre of Scotland. And the music was by Noisemaker and by Richard Cummins. Um, so we quite a, yeah, we quite a big hit in our hands. And Gail, along the rest of the cast, were instrumental in making that show. The, the actors make the show and wrote a lot of it and really developed the characters. So I think, yeah, hats off to them for making us some casket show. But what you hear again, that Gail, yeah, it's bonkers, isn't it? It's a, it's a absolutely riotous conversation covering lots of different topics. Uh, my left, right foot for one, swing ball, um, WhatsApp, uh, still game a little bit as well, yeah. a little bit yeah. still game. That'll hook you. That'll hook them in. Yeah. We said still it's- game. <laughs> and if that doesn't hook you, then I imagine the, the waxing and the, the bleaching of certain bodily cavities. <laughs> and and the, the podcast you do not want to miss. Exactly. Or maybe you do, but I don't know. I don't know. So just to say, yeah, like I said before, you know, Bob, at this point in time, we're not making new shows because... There's no way to put them on. So we, we thought we'd give these podcasts and so we were talking about the work that we've done in the last three or four years and really getting out there, you know, how our work, what we hope to achieve and how we hope to impact on people by doing the work that we do. You hear that the sound quality isn't perfect. We're still learning how to do this, so build with things a little bit, but but hopefully the, the content and the laughter and the, and the thoughtfulness of this podcast will more than become better. Yeah. So, sit back, relax, enjoy. Yeah, no, it was fine until Sturgeon said on Thursday that they're not going back. What? The- that they're... The schools aren't going back to Logan. Yeah, you think they go back before that? I could feel the tears just <laughs> gently rolling down my cheeks, and I just felt every piece of joy just <laughs> leave my whole body. Gone, I've evaporated. Oh, Jack! I mean, 
And it is, because you realise that it is down to you. It's down to me till August. And even then, they're only probably going to go back for two days a week. Yeah. Bloody hell. And I mean, you... I don't like the bloody hell, Jack. I think that's much stronger. And I mean... You love your kids, but yeah, there's kind of a point where... Oh yeah, everyone's got their breaking point. Yeah. Do you know what it is though? Your kids act differently, and you'll find that when the boys get older. Your kids act differently for other people than what they do for you. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're on a film set, that's very rarely will they ever have a parent who is the chaperone of a child. Yeah. Because they'll play up. Mm. I kind of, I kind of prefer it that way. I kind of prefer that they are playing up with me, but yet really good boys well, yeah. at school. Yeah. It's a nicer way to have it, but how how they are, how they are with you and how they are with teachers is totally, totally different. Oh God. And that yeah. goes for all kids, doesn't it? Like they're all the same. I I would say so, and I mean I I've always found um I've said this to you, Robert. I think parenthood is overrated. Right, and I mean, I mean the job of it, right? Yeah. You've seen it now. It's yeah. Con- it's constant. <laughs> yeah, it never stops. It's not that I don't love these people that are that are my children. I love yeah. them. I love every ounce of them. But I just don't like the domestics. I just, I don't enjoy the job of motherhood. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair cop, I'd say, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I just, that's just how I, that's how I feel. I don't know? think you're the only one, girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. It's just that I choose, I choose to be very open about it and I choose to, you know, like, it was frightening for me, especially because I had such a, a good job, you know, and I loved my acting and mm. went on stage and then I work with scripts and then you get a child and there is no script with that. There's no script. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even rehearsed improv. <laughs> oh, oh gosh, no! And you, you're constantly looking at this thing, saying, "Where's the script? Where's the exit? I know, where's my exit? I know when I come in, and I know when I leave, and there's none of that, none of that." <laughs> but I quite enjoy that the minute you think you work it out, it all changes. I quite enjoy that. Like you change the goalposts. Like Gary and I used to say, "Shit." He's changed the goalposts again. It's like just when you think, oh, ah, yeah. really? Yeah. I've I've only got two. Right. Um. Right. And and not twins. Not like uh, Mr. Gale there. Oh. I'm mean, honest to God. Jack is my twin. I'm a twin, yeah. So you you are a twin. Yeah. Yeah. And have you it's... got any other brothers or sisters? I've got two older brothers as well. Um, so there's so, four, four in total. Four altogether, yeah. So. Is your, is your, and the, the woman that had you, that your mother, uh, <laughs> is she okay now? Is she the, fine? I mean, the vessel that, that uh, bore me. Um, yeah, she's good, although she's bought a swing ball for the garden, and I'm kind of feeling... Jack, I just bought one last week. Uh, did you? swing ball. <laughs> it was like 30 quid. <laughs> It was 30 quid. I thought swing ball would be like 15 pounds. 30 quid. For a swing ball? For a swing ball. Did your mum get it cheaper? I, I don't know. I should, I should message you and ask. Can you ask your mum how much uh, she paid you for could a swing be... ball? Because I paid 30 quid. Well, I'll get back to you on that. Because <laughs> I think you've been hard. You're all fucking mango. I was, I was out the other day with my old pair and one gun and we passed a Tesco advert. I know her. She's like, go to you. So, yes, Miss Gil works in the face of Tesco. Oh, I'm going to tell you boys, right? We got locked down on the 27th. We'll be locked down. No. When did we get locked down? Before that. Roughly yeah. around about. Yeah. About that. It was about. I remember that. Yeah. So, it was like right about the 20th of March. And uh, so, we got locked down and. All of a sudden, the agent came along, and I'm thinking at this point, oh, you know, they're obviously going to go for a different Tesco ad. Well, Helen's leg alarm came <laughs> came at the right time because, you know, I get a royalty every year, and fair enough, it it was just my picture they used this time. But I honestly, 
I just looked up to the sky. I said, thanks very much. <laughs> there you go. What's it like being the face of Tesco? Well, it's very, very short space though, Jack. I mean, I am the Easter, the Easter woman. I mean, I'm a All seasonal right. face right. of Tesco. So, right. Um, right. it was a weird one because obviously these, as an actor, um, these are the jobs that you say, thank you very much. I yeah. deserve this. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we I'm just a jobbing actor like many of um, my friends and colleagues. So when you land these jobs, they, you know, monetary-wise are, are really fruitful. Because that was a seasonal one, it came out every Easter. So you would get the royalties. Nice. And they're really, nice. really, they're kind royalties. So you do, you just take those moments and go, yeah, I deserve that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I thank good, you. good. I thank good. you. Um, so no, it was a funny one. It's even weirder process to, to land. So, because, like, there's you're you're in, you go down you meet these people and there's yet more executives that you meet, um about four or five times, and what what I think helped me is that I I don't do any social media, right? So I have no social media footprint. No. And no none what at all. I, I mean I have my WhatsApp with you know like if I'm working with Robert and things like that you would always have a WhatsApp group but that that's it. Where are you from, girl? What are they? What's your accent? I, I I don't have an accent, Jack. I'm from Bonnerig. I'm from Bonnerig. Outside Edinburgh. I just outside Edinburgh. Um, nice. So uh, what? But what do you call it? Stop, I thought you'd say you'd be nice to me. No, no, no. We are. This is just truly. This is uh, just casual banter. This isn't like good cop, That's bad true. cop, is it? It is called WhatsApp, isn't it? What is that? WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Oh, so I've had. Witness, I so prefer your one. Witness, so it's just WhatsApp. Yeah. How do you say it? Maybe you should get your agent to get in touch with him and you can be a part of their marketing campaign as well. <laughs> WhatsApp! <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that's the only thing I do. And I've noticed that before you even land any job like that, like even the Katie Morag stuff that I did for CBBS, yeah. you go in front of every single executive and they will troll through your social media and if you've got anything you know even if you've been at a hen do and you look like you're sucking the end of a bottle there then it's not going to look good for their company so i think that's actually bagged me a couple of jobs if only they knew the view you i have no idea what you're talking about mr gale Now, who are you when you're at home or when you're on your WhatsApp? <laughs> Nobody knows. I'm really quite an underwhelming. As the person uh, who I am at home is very underwhelming. Really? Uh, okay. I'll, I'll keep that. Yeah, no, I, I long for a very simple life. I think most people do. Yeah, I can yeah. agree. Yeah. Definitely. Who wants yeah, complications? I mean, I, I kinda, yeah, I'm very lucky that I have, you know, such... A remarkable job at times. I mean, there you go. This time last year, <clears throat> Robert and I were all over the place. Yeah. You know, Japan and then, you know, touring and then, and so I think for me, my job is so remarkable, so extraordinary, and the people that work within it, that for me, home life is very, very simple. Yeah. I guess you kind of need that, though. You uh, do, Jack. I think you, you do. You need the calm. Uh, I need the cam. I think as as Gail, as a, I can get myself in quite a state if life is <laughs> going too fast. I do. Too too fast. Yeah, I, my sister is a polar opposite. A polar opposite. She is high functioning. Click, click, you know everything's. I mean, you know we went away for a weekend to London and she had a flipping itinerary. Like oh. as to how long we were going to eat lunch. She is just. Super high functioning, such tenacity, and if I had hard amount of tenacity and the skill that I need for work, I think I'd have been huge. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that you're very modest. Yeah, no, Very grounded. Yeah. Right, we're not thinking some questions, my friend. Oh, we're on. This is official stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Let's stop having fun. Come on. What was your first impression of Bugs of Paradise? 
So I'm going to come totally clean to you now, yeah. right? <laughs> do you remember? Totally clean. So do you remember I had been away and you were still trying to find the Sheena character? Yeah. And I had come back from holiday and they were like, can can he see you on Monday? And I was like, yeah, because I, I love the idea of it. I didn't really, I mean, I've seen you, but before I went in, Conlon, Richard Conlon, said to me, did you know who Robert Softly Gale is? I said, no idea. Heard him, heard him, heard him. I said, no idea, right? But I'm being honest. And he went, did you realise he has cerebral palsy? I went, no, no idea. So I'm really glad because I think if I'd walked in at NTS that day, I don't know if I would have been like, oh, oh, look it, because I, I, I would have, it would have thrown me a bit. Right. And now, and I don't know why it would have thrown me, knowing you now. <laughs> I just, I just remember the occasion song that you did for came round. Oh. What was it called again? Remember. It's a song that was an older actress <clears throat> that sung this song that worked with a, a great writer and friend of mine, Morag Fullerton. And she did this as a kind of uh, a turn. This was her turn. And it was the song of uh, from uh, My Fair Lady. Yeah, My Fair Lady. And it's, uh, I could have, and she used to miss out the words, so she sung, I could have all night, I could have all night and still have begged for more i could have spread my <laughs> so it's just, she misses out these words so your brain goes yeah. to some very yeah. dirty places <laughs> and now i think you got to spread mount and i went yep that'll be her name we'll give her the but isn't but isn't that weird that i didn't know who you were I, you know, I'd, I'd seen you about sort of an opening nights and stuff, but I'd never put the two names together. And now that I know you so well, I'm like, God, Gail, you couldn't have picked a better <laughs> tune for you. <laughs> Honestly, by the second line, you got the job. <laughs> yeah, the real And I mean, we, oh, no. we've seen maybe about 20, 25 people for that part. I was like, yeah, wow, like really? that. And then that came in and our hunt. <laughs> Uh, hungover. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that was just meant, though. That was kind of meant. It was a very special experience. And so, impressions-wise, uh, I, I really didn't have any um, as a company. I had, um, once I had sort of looked at the backdrop of Birds of Paradise, um, then, yeah, I was quite excited because I'd, I've actually worked with Long Hash years ago with the oh, people yeah. with disabilities oh, yeah. and and um and it was that was a really really rewarding experience and amazing just because it it makes you look at things differently and work differently and that's always that's always a good thing in your job so so Gail, what was your like initial response when you read the script of my left right foot uh, i remember thinking i thought oh this is quirky this is very quirky um and see i love silliness i love silliness and i can remember thinking if this is done right this is going to because i love how people go about life in earnest of trying to do the right thing i love that and yet it does the polar opposite do you know what i mean and i kept thinking it's it's a bunch of misfits really that don't really fit in any way and yeah they think this is a great idea um, I think we found a lot in that that piece. That yeah. I mean yeah, I don't think that if you look at the script at the start of the process and what we then put on stage, there was so, like so much of a journey, and the actors they were all so amazing in making the show. That's why the people that work in my gig and our gig are so extraordinary because you sit there with very few, I suppose. Well, you didn't really have a, a script at that stage. And then you sit in a room with nine, ten brains. And it's amazing how they just one chips in and then another one chips in. And before you know it, you have this really rounded piece of work. And it, that's what's extraordinary. How, I mean, I just remember that first night at the thing the first time round. And that thing of 
the show that we go me together, kicking that out into the world. How did that feel for you? Well, it's always like any opening night. You you stand in a wing saying, "Excuse my language, what the fuck am I doing here? At what point in my life did I think I should do this as a career?" Every single opening night, that never goes away. And then you're sitting with a new piece that has some fairly offensive stuff here. Oh yeah. Now we do have. We do have Birds of Paradise as the backdrop, so that gives us slight permission. But you just never know if people if people are going to sit there and go, this is actually the wrong side of funny. <laughs> this is the wrong side of funny. Mm. But in actual fact, it was the opposite. It was breaking all these taboos and all these fears that people have of saying the wrong thing. I have to say, Mr. Gale, you gave us such permission in rehearsals and you broke down all these barriers. So that's why we felt we could con- commit to it. We just committed yeah. and went the full hog and hoped that it would work. Um, and it, and it kind of did. I mean, I, I, I remember meeting one guy, so, I mean, I remember meeting one guy who said, uh, no, I, you know, I, I found it really hard to really care for these characters because of what they were saying. And I thought, well, Unfortunately, it's always going to be one man's meat, another yeah. man's poison. Yeah, you're never going to everyone. Yeah, that, yeah. Mm. Totally. totally. But that's not what theatre should be anyway, is it? No, no, no. no. Can't please everyone. Yeah, oh. you didn't cry to either. No. Was Was there a slightest kind of thought when you were standing in the wings at opening night and you are kind of like, mm, will this interrupt my uh, my love of lamb and... You know my seasonal my seasonal work. What <laughs> do you mean, like as in this could like, this could ruin me? Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. The end of my career. This is where it all ends. But like, um, because you, you I think because you, you described it as quirky, didn't you? Um, like the show was quirky. Well, it just never been said before or or done mm. before. I think it was kind of new because it it. Had, you know, obviously inclusion and disability within theatre is something that is, you know, well, actually it's mainstay now, but to have the kind of attitude, especially of my character, Sheena, who's really quite ignorant towards disability of any kind, um, as was Gail as well, as was I, you know, just even simple things that you learn working with people with a disability. I felt somehow in Long House we were slightly protected from that, but in Birds of Paradise, like because Robert's the director, there, there's you become so intimate with each other. I don't mean intimate, Robert. I don't mean that kind of intimate. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, not. Uh, but you. All right. So we'll be honest. So like we were the big stinky poo in NTS at the time rehearsing. We were the t- we were the play that they were, they didn't really want to admit they were doing. Yeah, the big stinky poo. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I remember saying to Robert one day we'd done a run for them and uh, they would all kind of trundle in, watch the run, and then they'd trundle out. Really? And I remember saying to you, Robert, why do I feel that I've just done a big stinky shit in the middle of the floor? Because nobody really laughs. No, but honestly, Jack, it was it was like, it was like we'd just taken a massive, excuse me, shit on the floor and that's what the reaction felt like. A massive jobby. And yeah. we said to Robert... We said, you know, why do why do we feel like that? And Robert went, don't worry, don't worry, it's 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 not you. Yeah. And took responsibility for that, and of course, so that we could just keep on not worrying mm. about that. And then we get to press night, then we get to opening night, and of course, it goes down a storm. I think the preview, and then we get to press night, and then all of a sudden, you could see attitudes changing. Mm. Because there was another well-known play going on next through, and they had the big room and. They were they were the real kind yeah. of actors, yeah. the, re- yeah. the real yeah. play. And my my left right yeah. foot was just a slight embarrassment or potential embarrassment. And then um, <laughs> no, but I'm just saying it was it was funny how that how they could see oh oh we have something here. It not be it's almost like it's like almost like a sort of phenomenon because like I remember seeing a very early on workshop of of what what was happening yeah. and there was people from like Bobath which is now cerebral palsy Scotland and ev- and everyone there loved right. it 
they were like, this is fab. Like, where has this been all of our lives, you know? Um, but it, and it also as well, I find it interesting what you're saying. When you first started rehearsing, there was almost that kind of like a nature of being unsure and, you know, where's where's the certain line and stuff like that. But like, you know, I would say that's completely allowed. Do you know what I mean? Because when, whenever you meet people, regardless of, uh, you know, their disability or, or whatever, like, you know, you can you're always allowed to be trepidatious do you know what i mean um but it, it kind of sounds yeah. like almost like that sort of trepidatious nature transferred over to people that were observing it critically or 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 even in the audience until it became such a such a smash you're so right you're so right because when we did those initial workshops that you guys were privy to you know it, NTS would come in, um, you know, who were our producers, <clears throat> Birds of Paradise people, and we would be fine. And then when the um, uh, the disabled community were coming in from from different walks, and what's it? Is it Boba? What's that the cerebral palsy place? Yeah, But because you and Matthew, Matt had to go up and do interviews with them and stuff like that. Is that yeah. that's right? Didn't you? Yeah, yeah, that was part. Yeah. So when these guys started to come in and watch the workshops, we were sitting there going, oh, sh- we don't have the right to say this. This is, again, this is the wrong side of funny. And what a relief. What a relief when these guys went, brilliant, great, refreshing, thank you. And, you go, and you're sitting there going, really? Really, this is okay? And they're going, yeah, yeah. And the guy that I remember, I couldn't take my eyes off. Was there a there was a girl that came in Robert, and she had she had to speak through her screen, and her dad was with her, and I can remember standing there singing, uh, it was either spasticity I think it was spasticity. It's classic, classic. Okay, so when I was singing spasticity I could not keep my eyes off this man, because I kept thinking. All right, he's we get all sitting there, maybe thinking, well, this is great, this is representative of the thoughts that I have and the situations. But I thought he'll be sitting there as the carer and as her dad saying, oh, you think this is, you think it's okay just to mock this? Because he's lived with us, he's lived with the, the trials of being a parent that has a child with extra needs. And he, he was the biggest advocate of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. He just went, I just, I said, and I, I can't remember what he said to you, but he just was like, you thank it. you, thank you, you for doing it. this. Yeah, it was all very perfect. It was awesome. And the thing is, like, awesome. like, even though I was trying to reassure you guys, I was still going, what the hell are we doing? You know, if you're doing anything worthwhile, it's almost a bit of you thinking, oh my God, <laughs> this might not work. But you have to go for it. And, But the lovely thing, thing, and again, I'm not kissing butt here, but the lovely thing about you is you have such charm, Robert, with people. And that does actually, it does charm people. And so maybe that came through the piece as well. And none of these people were, I mean, I don't know. Again, I have to say that the characters really became rounded by, well, I'm sure you would agree, Robert, that the characters that we ended up with were really because uh, the actors themselves really put the, the kind of little edit everything. Really, yeah. 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 And so what you had were these really rounded characters uh, towards the end. And again, as much as a story is good, if you can't invest in a character and their experience, you, you'll never you'll never invest in the story. So, and I think they were a true representative of attitudes and behaviours that you get in real life. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. She's not slightly magnified. Oh, completely, but she can Yeah, yeah. That thing of remembering that from from getting the go ahead from NTS to being on stage, I think we have about nine months. We made like a, a five-time musical in nine months. And, you know, like, who would do that? Like, that's... Yeah I, yeah, I know, but I mean, it's don't tell, don't shout it out too no. loud, man. <laughs> don't shout it out too loud. This is what everybody's worried about. Some people are managing to do some amazing work um, on their own, on their phones from lockdown, doing the hair and makeup, and you're like, do you know? Don't give these 
boogers who have got the purse strings anything to look at and go, well, actually, they don't need
of the people he knew. And then within that, you, I, I have a, a great belief that no matter what character you create, um, and this goes with any job, and I've been very lucky to work in jobs where I would have to create a character from scratch, um, sometimes with very little backstory. Um, and I believe that no matter what that character is, whether it be bad, good, insipid, there has to be likability within all that. It has to be. Mm. Yeah. It's just otherwise, again, you will not engage your audience or the plight that you're trying to show. So. Yeah. How 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 did you like over the two productions that we did, and then going to Japan? How do you feel seeing a real developer? Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think we grew because we got a uh, myself and Richard Conlon. We got a new cast who were uh, really scared and didn't know the beast that they were in, and so therefore you actually probably became a little bit more sure, confident of yourself because yeah. you knew the world. So you had, I think, probably I grew with a wee bit more authority as Sheena, and just yeah. that. Just that real definite, I kind of, yeah, just that confidence because I knew what the beast is. Yeah. And so when you've got all these new young kids, some of which are younger than my mobile phone number. (laughs) Exactly. But when you are working with younger kids and you feel that need to sort of help them through it and say, Mm. you know, so I suppose I did. I suppose I did change. I suppose it did change. Because they'll be looking at you as well, won't they? They're, because you need to have that confidence. Because um, <laughs> the cast will look at you. They'll be like, "Gail, yeah, what's what's going on here?" They're, they're yeah. talking about spasticity and stuff. Like, so you have to look at them back and go, "No, honestly, it's really fine. They'll love the fact that you call them spastics. <laughs> honestly, they're gonna love you. <laughs> See when you call them big spastics, they'll love it even better. Yeah, they'll love it. They love it. They love it. They love yeah. being called that. Yeah, like the cripples will love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uppity cripple. Go for it. Big uppity cripple. Um, <laughs> so it, it, there was a lot of, yeah, having to uh, say to them, you're all right. You're all right here. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so you do grow. And, and the piece itself, um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, you know, nobody knows what will happen with it or whatever but it's certainly a show that um i would be happy if you told me for the rest of my showbiz days that i was to go on stage <laughs> and do that showbiz days that i was going to do that one every night because it's fun it's good fun what was it like doing it in japan <laughs> do you know i think my, i think i still take away the day that we had the walk around in the theater and the guy says to us so here are the exits, obviously in Japanese, but with a translator. Um, if there's a fire, your exits are here, here, which you always get whenever you go into any place. You get the you get the risk assessment and you get the, the walk around, health and safety. And then he goes, okay, in the event of an earthquake, and you're going, Shh, yeah, this is real for them. So it's like, in the event of an earthquake, this building will not fall because it's designed in such a way to withstand a, a whatever magnitude earthquake. However, the lanterns above your head will. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know, we put we place a lot of trust in, in stage management. When you look up into those, you know, into the, the flies, you have huge, yeah. big, heavy lanterns above your head that if they ain't screwed yeah. on right, you know. You're, you're done. We're done. I've seen a barn door. Oh, Jack! I've seen a barn door fly off a lantern and miss an actor two. I mean, like two inches, and you go, "Geez, he was that was going to slice his head," you know. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, the guy said, in the event of an earthquake, just run into the wings because these lanterns may fall off the bar. Might fall. Yeah, and then it is terrifying. Yeah, well, that was that. And then obviously we were told, don't worry, Japanese won't clap. So they won't clap in between numbers. They will... So it's like you'd sing this big, you know, spasticity, (laughs) and then you just walk off to the sound of your own footsteps. (laughs) (laughs) Because they just clap at the end. However, when we got on there, 
That's not what happened. These guys. Oh, fantastic. No, they clapped. And I think when we were there, we realized, because we kept saying, why are we going to Japan? Not that we bothered because it was a really great trip for us. But then you were like, why are we going to Japan? And then the whole week we were yeah. there, Robert, we never saw one disabled person in a wheelchair out in the streets. And then Natalie, she wanted to check that the sign for disabled was the right sign that she was using, the international sign for it, our BSL, um, Natalie. And when she asked what the sign was, the sign was broken people. And that was what the sign was wow. for disabled. And she came back to the dressing room in tears. She went, this is why we're here, because we are leaps, we are you know, we're leaps ahead of countries like Japan uh, yeah. when it comes to how we view disability. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that ain't why we go to all over the world because we start to get those conversations going. Because <laughs> we can't fix it all, but we can just start to, you know, if people in Japan are seeing a show that we take foot, they have to yeah. think about something. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And do you remember everybody kept pressing you for, for a message, Robert? What's the message? What's the message? And and I kept, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. you were like, oh, I don't want a message. Is there a message? Is there one single, big, loud, soap, you know, bang a drum message? I'm not sure that yeah. there is. It's like you say, it's open it up. Just open it up. Talk yeah. about yeah. it. Talk about, you know, like, yeah. I think that coming, I think if the show had a message, it would become a bit boring and a bit scale. And the fact that it doesn't um, give you that, it makes it more, mm. more interesting, more exciting. I agree. I agree. Mm. I think it's really difficult. I'm also not keen on sometimes people banging a drum. It yeah. makes me go, oh, what about that? We've all seen that kind of thing. And, and it's just the understanding of don't write people off. Don't, you know, don't write people off just because they have a disability. The things that they can achieve and what it brings will be different, but it doesn't make it less, you know. And it, it, I think that's an interesting thing to just to bear in mind. It is, yeah. Absolutely. And what what was the what was the demographic of the crowd like in Japan? Was it was it? Um... I would say probably for me, what I could see, um, seemed to be like a like early twenties. Definitely, I saw a lot of younger people. Um, yeah, up to I mean, from about twenty up to about fifty, sixty. Didn't really see any yeah. oldies in there. I remember one day I looked across. And I saw three women all dressed in kimonos, very smartly dressed. And there was a grandmother, a mother and a daughter, or at least that's how they appeared. And they were all sitting there very politely. And then it got to the book with a king and spastic finger. <laughs> and I had to look across somewhere. And they were all howling around. <laughs> I thought, oh well, okay, carry on. <laughs> I know, because we were only in Japan two days, and I came up to Robert, and we were in the hotel. You'll probably not remember it, Robert, because we were all flipping jet-lagged to hook, you know? And I, I, I got the measure of the people in the first two days, which is very respectful. Yeah. You know, this bowing. I mean, so humble, such a quiet, um, you know, just, they are so respectful. And I can remember saying to Robert, what the hell are we doing here? I thought I'm going to end up in a Japanese jail, for Christ's sake. Because I thought, what, what are we, we have no business being here with this play. You know, it, it yeah. didn't, yeah. I thought, how are they going to take this? But there's a strange dichotomy going on over there. On the surface, it all seems very, very staid and very, very controlled and, as I say, respectful. But underneath there is, well, there's schoolgirl knickers getting sold in vending machines, you know, and, yeah. There's yeah. That. <laughs> there's, 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 there's. <laughs> is that what you're thinking, Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, Gil, how did you get started as an actor? What made you get into like mad profession? Do you honestly care? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> 
hang over the moon, dear what? Right, okay, short. Here we, we go. Want to me, know. It's really simple for me. It's a really short version. Um, so when I was four and a half, I was sent to school, went quite early. I was a very introverted child that used to hide in cupboards and not want to mix with kids. So therefore, right. I was referred to a child psychologist. Luckily, my mum and dad says, away you go, she's fine. Um, moved school, not because of that, but moved school because a new school opened up close to me and um, it was a big open plan thing. Very, in, very mm-hmm. integrated and inclusive. And my head teacher was a big hippie who was an ex-actress. Who, if you ever made up any song, play, poem, whole school would stop and they would listen to your poem and they would listen to your song or your dance or your play. She knew every poem, every song, what seemed to me, under the sun. So that inspired me. She was a fantastic performer as well as a headmistress, Mrs. Monroe. Then I go to high school. High school have an equally great drama department, a school that really puts her school shows and these are massive events. This is all in the days before they cut, you know, music and drama. Mm. And that again helped, again, this just inspired me and allowed me to grow into what I wanted. So I knew from five or six that I wanted to do this, but I was more of a dancer. So I trained in dance till I was about 17. Then my boobs got too big and my bum got too big and I knew I'd never be a ballet dancer but at that point I was kind of starting to go into the singing and acting and so and then 17 I left school and my drama teacher there uh you weren't allowed to start drama school till 19 and he he phoned up okay. he phoned up uh, at ACMD and Queen Margaret at the time and said you really should see this girl so off I popped, and RSCMD wouldn't, wouldn't, um, wouldn't entertain it. They said no. And then QM, they said to me in my audition, you need to go away and travel for a couple of years. To which I turned around and I just said, no, no, thank you. I don't want to travel. I want to do this and I want to do it now. So they took me on as a trial for six months. Uh, and it, really? At, seven, at, at 17, they took me on for six months. Um, and... Uh, I graduated, so, so I graduated when I was 20, and I had this long blonde hair wading past my back, and I was tiny, and I had this really young face, so when I came out, I got all the young parts, and then I had about four years professionally of, of some really good parts at, in theatre. Uh, I certainly never broke through TV, um, still haven't, but... Uh, I do I do lots of TV here and there, but I, yeah, nothing that I'm kind of known for. But um, and then and then at age 24, I took stage fright, and that was a bit of a that was like that, yeah, that was a bit scary. What caused that? So I think looking back now, I had um, I had started with panic attacks, but I never really told anybody, and you didn't really do mental health then, or. You certainly never spoke, you know, you didn't have a label for it. I tried to sort of say to a couple of older actors that I'd worked with, uh, just to explain what I was, what was starting to happen. Um, and uh, they, they kind of just, they were like, oh no, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. So I just figured at 24, I thought I'm clearly not cut out for this. So I left uh, and I studied, <laughs> I studied, alternative therapies okay. uh, yeah so i've done i've done quite a bit actually and, and reflexology and all the beauty therapies so i yeah i can i can do a back second what's it a back, 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 back. <laughs> sack wax yeah i've not done a sack i've not done a sack wax i've done a back wax, a, a sack wax. i've actually done a crack wax but on a woman really Oh, I've got to tell you this. I was working in a spa. She wasn't my client. And she was Australian. And she came in and she she wanted her anus bleached. Oh, no. Yeah, she wanted it waxed and bleached. Well, you would never do the two at the same time because, you know, you, you, you can't put bleach on a, a newly waxed area. Right. So I said I would bleach it for her. And it was like she obviously wanted to lighten the skin around her bum hole. But that 
Why do you need to know that though? Do you mean how like how organized and how sort of orchestrated is your life that you're like, do you know what? See on Thursday, I'm getting my arse bleached. Like Jack, our our partner, the partner, he was a he was an architect over in Israel. And so she was she hadn't seen him for like three months. So she was um she's she couldn't wait to see him. And of course I, I went out and I remember going out and I went up to the girls and I said, Girls, girls. She wants her she wants her bum hole bleached. I went, What do you use for that? And they're like, Yeah, you just use the Joel stuff, you know, the cream stuff that that you would oh, use right. for the upper lip and I went, Alright, right. She went, So just mix it into your paste and just, you know, apply it type thing. And I walk into the room and there she was. There she was, on all fours, like a dog, with her big black bum hole facing me. <laughs> 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 Oh man, I'm going back to acting. I'm going back to the acting. <laughs> that, that'll give you stage fright, I reckon. That'll give me stage fright. Yeah, I got crack fright. Crack fright. I was like, ah. <laughs> crack fright now. Just oh taking my that paste and I just remember that day just taking my, my pointer, pointer finger. And I remember taking the paste and just slowly working my way, pasting her bum hole thinking this is the lowest point of my fucking life. <laughs> and, then, and then you met me. And then I, and then I met Robert. <laughs> so, so oh my God. In, in, between, in between doing all that, I was still being called back to do stuff at the Lyceum and various other places. And then eventually I just thought, oh, shut up, Gail. Just see the fear through. Clearly, at this point, panic was something that I was dealing with, but I just, I, I just thought, I just missed that. I didn't miss it because I was still doing it, but I just eventually, I just had to work through it. I just had to mm. through the fear. Um, stage fright doesn't actually do anything, but I think, I think because I didn't have anybody to talk about it with, or, or somebody to say to me, hey, look, you all get through this. Yeah, happens to the best of us. Others, oh, no, no, my gosh, it's. Yeah, it's kind of fashionable <laughs> to have panic and anxiety now, isn't it? Hey, I have my anxiety. Um, so yeah, I have my anxiety. I went, I went away. I bleached a few. I ble- bum bleached holes. a few cracks and bum holes, and hey, now I'm fine. <laughs> it's lovely to hear that you you went to QMU because I went to QMU. Yeah. I, I graduated. Uh, so don't even say it. I know what you're going to say. It was like twenty years after me. Uh, when did you graduate? No, nah, uh, 1982. No. <laughs> um, Two two thousand and seventeen. <laughs> when did you graduate, Gil? You don't you don't need to answer that. Nineteen ninety six. Eleven years before. Oh, oh not that oh, well. Yeah. It was actually it was a fantastic course. Um, uh, then then two and when I was there, it was uh, it was a fantastic course. In some ways. I loved it. Yeah, I think Jack. I think wherever you go depends on who you are you will take you you could put you you know it depends who you are you could go to, you could go a what do you call it rada yeah it's RADA. what you take from it man it's what you take away from it you know there's been some stuff that you learn at the time and you go well what the heck what good was that you know and then there's yeah. other stuff like even now we had bit of laban and utahagan stanislas school obviously and even mm. now, 20, 25 years down the line, if there's stuff that I'm struggling with, I'll go, well, how about if I apply a bit of hag into that? Or just to unlock what it could be. So you do. Yeah. I think you find your own sort of rhythms as well, don't you? Because I remember when I first started at uni, you kind of felt like you had to buy all the books that everyone was buying. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, I, I bought Peter Brook in the empty space. I'm like, I've not read it. I've still not read it yet. Like, we had to buy <laughs> this massive ass, like, Wadsworth anthology and add all this, all these plays in it. And, like, I, I think I, I literally used this time maybe a month ago because um, I was bored out my arse. So I guess you kind of... You get the whole group in a group stuff or something. But look, look what I just found, and I'm in my back room here talking to you, yeah. and I've just found my, and there's on my bookshelf, Dana Slavsky, an actor prepared. So you see, mm. let's see if Gail wrote any notes in it. Oh, I've got something, oh, I've got something highlighted. Let's see what it says. Have you ever made a long journey? He began. 
If so, you will recall the many successive changes that takes place both in what you feel and what you see. Akawin, shut up. Away you go. Away you go. Gonna know. But that's all we love the show because you can spend so many years talking about the TV and the academic approach and all of that. But at some point, you just have to get on stage and see yeah, if you your lines get back up. You're the beauty to that. Well, I just, I was thinking the day when I was out with the dog, and it's such a beautiful day, and I was thinking, what's it going to be like when we eventually get back on stage? One, you're going to go either way. You're going to be so, like, amazed and just love your life that you're back there performing, which is what I hope it to be. Or we've been away from live performance for a long time that it's actually going to get the, the shitters up you. Do you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. there is a part of you that has yeah. to keep just going back to the fear and going, right, because opening night for everybody, you know what it's like, Rob, it's, it's, it's awful. And also mm. the role that the audience play in that, you know, when they come back to see you, are they, are they going to be so nervous that we all pick up on that? And, yeah, mm. I don't know. I don't know. I'll certainly, I certainly think it'll be a case where if you have a bad cough, you do not come to theatre. Yeah. But yeah. we all know you sit in a dark room and start watching. There's always, there's always a cougher. There's always yeah. a sneezer in a yeah. cougher. Now, yeah. Yeah. that will be, uh, that will be a different thing for a wee while. Yeah. Well, I think we'll reach the end of a wonderful conversation. Have you got any other questions, Jack? Uh, I've only got the o- only got the one, and I wouldn't forgive myself if I didn't ask it. Um, because I first became uh, aware of your work, like my, my nephews and stuff watch like Katie Morag and all that sort of stuff. So I've seen you, seen you at the post office and that. Uh, but I, I first became aware of your work um, when you did that episode of Still Game. Oh yeah, Margo. When Margo, yeah, yeah, and and I, I'm not I'm not even just saying this because because I'm talking to you now, but it's like a firm family favorite, and it's oh, it's yes. kind of a family joke, the the kind of six of the belt from Margo. Six of the belt um, from Margo, and yeah. uh, and and here you go, Jack. Uh, Gav Gavin Mitchell, who plays Bobby the barman, is a good pal of mine, and I actually hooked him on the take that you see. Did you? Did you? So we, did, we, we did about four or five takes and there was a crash mat behind the bar. And right, uh, I mean, I, was, right. I think I was about 26, 27 at the time. And, uh, you know, when you walk onto that set and, I mean, Greg and um, Ford, they're all really, really lovely. And I knew Jane as well, who plays Isa. So they're all really good friends of mine. And Mark Cox and I went to drama school. We were He was a year above. So I felt quite comfortable, but you were really aware that you were walking into this very well-known Scottish kind of TV show. Mm. So you want you want to get it right. Well, you want to get it right all the time, but particularly. Anyway, so yeah. Gav and I do that last shot, and I, I hooked him. I hooked him on the jaw. Patty is gale is like, you know, I, I hooked him, and I let him fall, and I walked away. But there was that part of me that just went to go, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry, Gav, you're yeah. <laughs> But I never, I never, I just kept going with it and then when they shouted cut, I was like, I'm re- are you alright, are you, are you alright, Gavin? I'm really sorry, but they used that one. You're applying method acting techniques then? No, it's just what? Gavin didn't move far away enough. <laughs> 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 that is really He just kept his big mug in the wrong place. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, well, thank you very much, Gilson. It's been a pleasure, and we will speak to you again. Goodbye. Oh, boys, that was lovely. So, hopefully, you have got Google Glass with us and Gil there, and that episode was a hit to record. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And if we'd like you to more to come, this is number two. And a series of podcasts that might go on forever and ever. Who the hell goes? And you can get on on social media more. Facebook with Bucking Pack and Seeker, Twitter with at Bop Seeker, Instagram with at Bop Seeker, 
I think that's everything, but what gang I mean, we gang so, you know, we both got a coke up a peak, and so she got a box, she got a coke up a peak, Bob on the wire, then you can get a link to these people. You can think of it, Scott, they can point them there, and you can think of you can listen back to other episodes as well. And next time on the podcast, what have we got, Jack? We've got so much coming up on the podcast. Um, in episode three, we'll be talking to Caroline Parker, who is absolutely fabulous. We talk about uh, great things there. Caroline is a, a deaf performer, um, and she has worked with Birds of Paradise um, countless times. Countless times. She's, <laughs> she, yeah. she, she's, she's Birds of Paradise alumni, so yeah. tune in for that um, next time, where we talk a load, a load, a load of stuff about that. Um, also, a little Easter egg for you. If you're wondering who paid more for the swing ball uh, out of Gail and my mother... It was my mother. She paid. Uh, she paid 40, 40 squiddly diddlies. So you know, obviously, for a swing ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ma- I'm telling you, it must be the club card points that uh, the girls get. Yeah, that can be fiat, Yeah, club card we points. Can, we can either confirm or deny that that's the game. There. Um, <laughs> So yeah, she didn't get to think about Karen Parker, about her life and her career so far. Thank you once again. Bye-bye. Tighty bye now.